0: Chapter 2 of Marjorie Dean, High School Sophomore by Pauline Lester. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Ashley Jane. Chapter 2 The Shadow. Listen, Connie, do you hear that train whistling? I'm sure it's Mary's train. Marjorie Dean peered anxiously up the track in the direction of the sound. In the distance her alert eyes spied the smoke of the approaching train before it rounded the bend and appeared in full view, and her heart beat high with the thought that the longed-for moment had come at last. Since her return to Sanford five days before, Marjorie had been a quiver of affectionate impatience. How slowly the days dragged! She read and re-read Mary's latest letter, stating that if she and her father would arrive at Sanford on Wednesday on the four thirty train, and her impatience grew. It was not alone that she desired to see Mary. There was the mysterious mission to be considered. What girl does not love a mystery? And Marjorie was no exception. At that moment, however, as she waited for her childhood's friend, all thought of the mystery was swept aside in the longing to see mary again as the train rumbled into the station and after many groans and shudders stopped with a last protesting creak of wheels marjorie's anxious gaze travelled up and down its length suddenly at the far end she spied a tall familiar figure descending the car steps close behind him followed a slender girl in blue with a cluck of joy and a there she is marjorie fairly raced up the station platform constance followed but proceeded more slowly to marjorie belonged the right to the first rapturous moments with her chum in her girlish soul lurked no trace of jealousy she understood that with marjorie mary must always be first and she was filled with an unselfish happiness for the pleasure of the girl who had braved all things for her and would for ever mean all that was best and highest to her mary marjorie exclaimed her clear voice trembling with emotion oh marjorie it's been ages quavered mary raymond then the two became locked in a tempestuous embrace here here where do i come in asked an injured voice as the two young women continued to croon over each other all else forgotten marjorie gently disengaged herself from mary's detaining arms and turned to give her hand to mr raymond i'm so glad to see you she said fervently mother is waiting in our car just the other side of the station but first let me introduce my friend constance Stevens. why where is she i thought she was right behind me oh here she comes hurry up connie constance approached rather shyly In spite of the fact that the old days of poverty and heartache lay behind her like a bad dream, she was still curiously reserved and diffident in the presence of strangers. The decision of her aunt, Miss Susan Allison, to take up her abode in Sanford in order that Constance might finish her high school course with Marjorie had brought many changes into the life of the once friendless girl miss allison had purchased a handsome property on the outskirts of Sanford, and after much persuasion had with one exception induced the occupants of the little grey house to share it with her soon afterward mr Stevens constance's foster-father whose name she still bore and refused to change had accepted a position as first violin in a symphony orchestra and had gone to fulfil his destiny in the world of music which he loved Uncle John Rowland and little Charlie, once puny and crippled, but now strong and rosy, had, with Constance, come into the lonely old woman's household at a time when she most needed them, and, in her contrition for the lost years of happiness which she had so stubbornly thrust aside, she was in a fair way to spoil her little flock by too much petting the fact that from a mere nobody constance stevens had become the social equal of sanford's most exclusive contingent did not impress the girl in the least naturally humble and self-effacing she had no ambition to shine socially her one aim was to become a great singer and it was understood between herself and her aunt that when she was graduated from high school she was to enter a conservatory of music and study voice culture under the best masters it seemed to constance that she now had everything in the world that she could possibly hope for or desire but of the great good which had come to her in one short year she felt that above all she prized the friendship of marjorie dean and in whatever lay marjorie's happiness there must hers lie also this was her thought as she now stepped forward to meet mary raymond she was prepared to give this girl who was marjorie's dearest friend a loyalty and devotion second only to that which she accorded marjorie herself at last my dearest wish has come true exclaimed marjorie when constance had been presented to mr raymond and she and mary had clasped hands i've been so anxious for you two to know each other now that you're here together i can see that resemblance i've told you of connie you look like mary and mary looks like you You might easily pass for sisters. Constance smiled with shy sweetness at Mary, and Mary returned the smile, but in her blue eyes there flashed a sudden, half-startled expression which neither Constance nor Marjorie noted. Then she said in a tone intended to be cordial, but which somehow lacked heart, "'I'm awfully glad to know you, Miss Stevens. Marjorie has written me often of you.' "'And she has talked to me over and over again of you,' returned Constance warmly. "'Now that you know each other, you can postpone getting chummy until later,' laughed Marjorie. "'Mother will wonder what has happened to us. "'She'll think you didn't come on that train if we don't put in an appearance.' Possessing herself of Mary's travelling-bag, she led the way with Mary through the station and out to the opposite side, where Mrs. Dean awaited them. Constance followed with Mr. Raymond. In her heart she experienced an odd disappointment. Was it her imagination, or did Mary's cordiality seem a trifle forced? Perhaps it would have been better if she had not accompanied Marjorie to the station to meet Mary. Perhaps Mary was a trifle hurt that her chum had not come alone. She decided that she would not ride to Marjorie's home with the party, although she had been invited to dine with them that night. She could not bear to think of intruding. She managed to answer Mr. Raymond's courteous remarks, but her thoughts were not centred upon what he was saying. Without warning, her old-time diffidence settled down upon her like an enveloping cloak, and her one object was to slip away as quickly and as unobtrusively as possible. "'I think I'd better not go home with you, Marjorie,' she said in a low voice. They had reached the waiting automobile, and Mary and Mrs. Dean were exchanging affectionate greetings. "'Oh, why not, Connie?' Marjorie's happy face clouded. You know we'd love to have you, wouldn't we, Mary? Of course. Mary again smiled at Constance, but again her smile lacked warmth. Constance shook her head almost obstinately. I think I had better not come, she repeated. And in her speech there was a shadowy return of the old baffling reserve that had so greatly disturbed Marjorie in the early stages of their friendship. But you promised to take dinner with us tonight, remarked Marjorie. I-I have changed my mind. It will be best for me to go home, I think. I'll come over tomorrow mrs dean added her persuasions but constance was firm and after bidding a courteous farewell to the Dean's guests she hurried away more agitated than she cared to admit why what ails constance marjorie asked mrs dean in surprise nothing that is i don't know Marjorie looked after her friend's rapidly disappearing figure, a puzzled expression in her brown eyes. Mary Raymond viewed Marjorie with a faint frown. It was rather provoking in Marjorie to express so much concern over this Constance Stevens. After their long separation she felt that her chum's every thought ought to be for her alone, And in that instant a certain fabled green eyed monster that Mary had never believed could exist for her, suddenly sprang into life and whispered to her that perhaps, after all, she was not first in Marjorie Dean's heart chapter two Recording by Ashley Jane